share this morning something that is, has been the most revolutionary thing I've ever had happen in my life. Uh, I've been in the pastor of the same church, founding pastor, for 24 years. I travel, as I said, uh, a good bit among other churches. <clears throat> and a few years ago, the Lord began to do something in me personally. And it's not going to be a testimony, but I could sure give you many. And over the years, we've had tons of email, literally, about what has happened with that. I've had some even this morning before as I got up this morning and checking email. And that's to talk about the power of blessing. And the Lord has spoken to my heart to, to everywhere I go that I haven't spoken on this before to do that. There's a lot of things in my heart I would love to share, share this morning, but this is the mandate that I feel like I have the Lord. So one thing that has changed the revolutionized regions, not because I speak it, because it is a principle that is so fundamental and foundational that sometimes we just over-excuse over it. And when we use the word blessing, it's that word in the Scripture that is so huge and full like grace that sometimes uh, we think that we know what it means, but it, it uh, escapes us. We say, bless, bless you when we come and we go. And if someone sneezes, we say, God bless you. But it was actually a word in the Hebrew and also in the Greek that was so powerful and strong that it had prophetic implications. We find in Genesis where that Jacob is laying hands on his sons and he's declaring prophetic declarations or the word he blessed them. In the Old Testament, it is the word barak or barakah that it means more than just, uh, you know, be, be enjoying life and be full and happy. But it's a word that goes even deeper than that. It means to declare God's intention for something, not the way that it is at the moment. Because we're great about reporting conditions here on planet Earth. But blessing means no matter what's happening at the moment, it is declaring among you and on you and among your, your people and generations, as we see this morning, as what God's intentions for those and not necessarily reporting the way they are. Have you ever been in prayer meetings to where they spend most of the time reporting to God how bad it is on planet Earth? <clears throat> They're just telling God, Lord, and, and especially if you're praying over somebody that is sick, Lord, you know what the doctor says. Well, yeah, he does, so why tell him? You know the doctor says they've got six months to live. And you know what? how many people have died of this kind of disease. And you know the prognosis, and you know how terrible they look. And we need them, Lord. We want them. And that 30 minutes later, he says, I know, I know. But he said that we're to declare on earth as it is in heaven, not reporting, you know, from earth to, to heaven how bad it is. Because reporting the way things are doesn't change anything. But when we start invo invoking the barak or the blessing of the Lord, which means Tell the, declare over the situation, speak to those things, and to say over it, this is God's intention for, though it may not be happening at the moment. Remember, prophecy is counting those things that are not as though they are. Say, is that denial? Well, I, I want to deny the devil the right to oppress me, <laughs> but I want to declare God's provision and his grace. So more can be changed over that. I get emails all the time of saying, well, can I curse cancer? And I said, go ahead if you want to. But cancer is already cursed. So me just cursing it more doesn't change anything. But when I begin to bless the name of the Lord Jesus, God as Jehovah Rophe, the Lord thy God that heals, and bless the healer that is within us, things can begin to change radically at that moment. And so if he calls us to be transformed from being, you know, those who just, you know, report how bad things are and oh, woe is me, because misery loves the company. And the devil is always in the details. He loves details of how bad things are. And he's attracted to that. Just as faith operates in the kingdom of God, then fear and complaint operates like faith in the kingdom of darkness. He feeds off of it. It's like devil's food cake to him. He'll just suit up and show up and hang around the house because we feed him all the time with that. So I want to just quickly look at a moment how that... And I'll quick give, I can give you a couple of testimonies how, that I've seen families change. We've seen people, the divorces that were in the court as they were speaking, and they began to bless and reverse, and a lady walked out of court and went back to her husband and said, we need to work this out. Saw so people that had, 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 been, had terminal illnesses and began to quit focusing on the sickness and disease and begin to bless the Lord and lift up their head, which comes their health. And begin and saw healing come out of that. 
There was an environment where families, there was such, such a cursing, and I'll get into what that is in just a moment, and anger and hostility in the home. When they begin to choose to bless and invoke the name of the Lord in that home, the environment began to change to where they saw financially issues begin to change in their life. And it began to go on and on and on for there. I'm telling you, the, the blessing of the Lord makes rich. And it doesn't mean just financially, though I, that's part of it. But the word rich means God's fullness. The blessing of the Lord invokes God's fullness, but he adds no sorrow to it. So when we understand how the blessing of God works, it is something we practice. It's not just a state of being. It is a lifestyle that flows out of that. Now turn with me to 1 Peter, the third chapter, and verse 7. And the first time that, that the Lord began to deal with me, I was on I, uh, Interstate 30 uh, heading out uh, west. My wife and I were together, and uh, a young man in a pickup just going, you know, 70, 75 miles an hour in rush hour traffic. You know how it is here in the Metroplex, or there in the Metroplex. And all of a sudden, this small pickup just darted in front of us that you could have probably, you felt like you could reach out and touch their bumper. And blurted out of my mouth was, idiot. My wife, who's really close to the Holy Spirit, in terms of speaking to me in that way, she said, pardon me? And I remember think growing up that if I had ever said that word, and that's not my, my, my regular vocabulary, my mother would have said, you know, I'm going to wash your mouth out. And so the Holy Spirit said to me, why did you just call me an idiot? And I said, God, I wouldn't call you an idiot. I'd be crispy critter right now. I would never call you that. He said, yes, you did, because my word said, when God starts answering you back with his own word, you know you have no defense. And he said, my word says, how can you bless me whom you cannot see, and yet you curse man whom you can see? And I didn't curse him. He said, yeah, you did. Because when I made everything, I said it was created in my imagination. And in my imagination, I said, it is good. The only thing I didn't say was good, there was for man to be alone. Everything else I created, I said it was good. And I said, well, I don't know if he's a believer. It doesn't matter. He didn't have a fish on the back of his truck. Sometimes they have a fish on them, and they drive like, you know, demons anyway. So. And he said, I want you to bless him. And I said, I bless you. thought that was good. And God said, no, bless him the way that you would want me to bless you. Well, now I've got skin in the game now. So I'd say to them, I, I didn't know how to really do it, so I, I started saying, I bless him with the fullness of God of all that you've created him to be and that you would create him in the knowledge of the Son of God. And the more I blessed and the more prophetic I felt like I became, and I start speaking over him to his destiny. May he fulfill the joy of the Lord and his family that when he gets home tonight that they would delight in his presence there. When I did that, the only thing that I can explain it to you, if you've ever done any track or running, there's that second win. They call it a runner's high. What it is that the endorphins in your brain starts being released. This is what dope addicts, I guess, get off on. The endorphins in my brain started flooding me physically, and I felt the pleasure of the Lord. Simply as that. I felt like I had pleased God more than I in all the messages that I ever preached in my life. The Lord is saying, that's my boy. He's a chip off the old block. And I thought, wow, I could get addicted to this. So we started blessing things. My wife, Diane, and I, we started blessing things. And not just saying bless you, but begin to develop a vocabulary of blessing that. And after that, I was a place in sharing that. And a couple came to me after they, they got some CDs and they were listening to that. They said, my son was on drugs for so long that we just keep telling him and say, you're going to be the death of me yet. We're going to find you in prison one of these days if we don't find you in jail. You're killing us. You're taking all of our money. And the guy just staggering to bed. Well, they began to find out about blessing instead of reporting how bad things are. He would come in just stoned out of his mind, stagger in. They say, you're a son of great promise to me. The guy would like, oh, yeah, whatever. And he's going to bed. And so they think, well, you know, we're going to stay with it. We're sowing. We're depositing something of God-like in there. God said it's good, though what was happening is not good, but this is not God's intention. So they would say over him what God intended the picture to be, not just repainting it the way that it was. And so they would say over, and this happened for three weeks in a row, and they say, you're a son, you're a gift of God. God has given you to us, and we're so thankful for you. 
because they started seeing through the eyes of the Spirit how God sees, not through the way how they felt at that moment. Three weeks later, he came in on a Saturday night, and he was sober, and he looked at him, and he said, well, they said to him, you come in early tonight. And they said, yeah, I just was out with my friends, and I don't know, somehow or another, I just didn't want to be here any longer with them. And by the way, what time is church in the morning? Everything changes, the environment changes when we see it through the eyes of God. The Bible says you shall know the truth, John 8, 32, and the truth shall not set you free. The original says make, mean create. Once you know truth, you'll operate in the creative principles and priorities that truth is. The word truth, aletheia, means the manifested reality through God's eyes. We can operate in fact. The doctor says you got six months to live. That may be a fact by all medical knowledge. But the truth is, Jesus is the way. He's the truth. Truth is not, a, is not information. Truth is a spirit. When he, the spirit of truth, comes, he's going to guide you into all truth. And the Bible, Jesus said of himself in John, that he is the way. He is truth. Therefore, it's saying when the Holy Spirit comes, He's going to connect you to Jesus in such a way that whatever the information is at the moment, that you're going to step out in the reality of who he is. And the reality is he's come to make us free. The truth that makes us free is not the truth that we hear. The truth that makes us free is the truth we apply, not the truth that we hear. The application causes the reality through the Lord's eyes. So blessing is being able to see things through God's filter of his eyes and not just, you know, how things appear in the, in the, in the natural of our five senses. Now look in, in 1 Peter the three, uh, chapter 3 and verse 9. Let me give you context in verse 7. You husbands, likewise, and every, every wife has this plastered on the refrigerator door. <laughs> right? You husbands, likewise, live with your wives in an understanding way as with a weaker vessel. Weaker doesn't mean that she can't bench press as much as you can. I've seen some that could. But the idea is that God made her in such a way that she needs an interdependence. Submission means coming under the mission. doesn't mean coming under, uh, you know, masculinity. Submission. What is the mission that Jesus set? Coming under that mission causes a covenant reality between a man and a woman. Living with them in an understanding way as with a weaker vessel since she is a woman. Before the fall, Eve didn't have a name. Her name was not Eve. Her name was woman. In other words, she was called a wombed, W-O-M-B-E-D, wombed man. She was known as a wombed man. Her identity was in the creation of God or in man. So it says she is a woman. It's not a... A derogatory thing. Grant her, give her honor, kobod, literally the, the, the goodness and the glory of God. Give her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life so that your prayers are not hindered. So there's something about relationships in a broad sense that is tied to prayers being answered. Now look at this, look at verse, verse 8. To sum it all up, <clears throat> let us be harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, kind-hearted, and humble in spirit. Here's verse 9, the, the, the verse that the Holy Spirit nailed me on that day. Do not return evil for evil. They did it to me first. Insult for insult. You give it to me, I can give it back to you stronger than what you gave it to me. That's the human nature of the first Adam called the fallen nature. He says to them, do not return evil for evil, insult for insult, but instead giving a blessing. Giving, in the, in the Greek, it's the word eulogeo. We get the word eulogy. You ever been to a funeral and someone's giving a eulogy? No matter how bad the guy is that's laying there, he is a wonderful person. <laughs> eulogy means to speak well of and large of. In other words, maybe into eternity he'll get there. But we get the word eulogy, meaning eulogeo. He says, but instead of telling them how bad they are, insult for insult, he said, instead, coming in the opposite spirit, which is the very divine nature of truth, seeing the potentiality of where they can be, not where they are. The devil always wants to remind us of our past, and Jesus, the Holy Spirit, wants to remind us of our future. Blessing is a futuristic, prophetic look into what 
the potentiality of what we can be. When the devil reminds you of your past, as the old saying is, you can remind him of his future, which is not very well. It is blood-bought. So when he's saying to not return evil for in evil, but he said instead of, in other words, replace, Jesus says when they, when they curse you that you're to bless them. In fact, the scripture talks about Matthew 6 where he says uh, that we're to bless and not curse. <coughs> and I have people ask me, what about Jesus cursing the fig tree? Well, Jesus is all God and all man according to Philippians 2. He could just as well bless that fig tree as he cursed it. So that means but at that context, he was walking through the, through the region and he comes upon a fig tree and his disciples were with him. It was a rabbinical time of teaching. Rabbinical time means the dust of the rabbi. It means a, was a rabbinical saying, which means as they walked on the streets or the roads, that the dust would get on their feet. And as the rabbis were teaching them about the kingdom of God and so on, that means the dust would get upon them. There was an impartation of your rabbi to you. Jesus was teaching his disciples that day. He comes upon a fig tree, and there was no figs there. This tree was designed to produce figs, and Jesus cursed it. At that point, he, just, he would have sent the word curse, meaning the fact is to put it into a lower position than what God intends. So therefore, if I would say over, over your pastor, that you're never going to be whatever. And I like him and love him and he'll understand what I'm saying. You'll never be, you never will with this, this, or this. That is putting him in a lower position than what God intends. That means that I have cursed him. Now in Texas, I know we think curse and cuss is the same thing, but it's not. Neither one's good, right? It's not cussing. Cursing means when, I, when God has created something or someone, a situation, and he has a divine providence for that. And we look at that and we say, nothing good happens with them. Nothing, look what they're doing to me. That I am cursing them. Though I'm not using a four-letter word. I am putting them in the place that maybe where it looks like instead of putting them to where God intends for them to be. Jesus, when he cursed the fig tree, <coughs> there was, he could have very well blessed the fig tree. But I believe that he wanted to show his disciples that you can kill things with your words. That the proverb says the power of life and death is in the tongue and we choose. And those who love it will eat its fruit. He's saying you're going to eat from this tree. You curse it, look what you get. You can kill this tree. You can, the Bible says in Psalms 92 that we are called the trees of the Lord. We can kill and wound one another to the point that it causes a person to be debilitated emotionally or that they'll always feel like they have to take a lesser job or a lesser place in education because I've always been told that I never could amount to anything. I was always told that I was dumb. I was always told that I was stupid. Therefore, the Proverbs says, as a man thinks in his heart, so we become that. I literally paint pictures, and pictures can develop destiny in one's life. That's why it's good to be around men of God who are saying, you're awesome, you can do this, you can break through. You are a man and a woman of God. And at that moment, you may look like you're the lowest thing in the earth, but God's always calling us, come up hither, and not I'm going down thither. <coughs> when he is saying it to them, when you instead giving a blessing in replacement of a curse, you're fulfilling the very covenant that Jesus came. He said, I'm writing the new covenant on the inside of your heart. Now, when he says to them, when you do that, you will, look at the last part of that, you will inherit a blessing. You will inherit, inherit the eulogio, everything that God says about you prophetically and your destiny will start coming to you. When we curse, we push the pause button of our life, though you can have a string of prophecies that ever that every prophet known to man could come to you and say, you're going to be this, you're going to do this and that, and we're cursing. Remember what verse 7 said. said, husbands and wives dwelling together, so that your prayer, and the word prayer there, also can be interpreted not only your words, but what Jesus has prayed over us. And intercession, that those prayers are not un, are hindered or interrupted. Because we can have prophetic destiny, but when we're cursing, then we disrupt or we hold up or we push the pause button of seeing answered prayer. We have seen more people have had answered prayer recently 
when they have turned their life from just spewing out personal opinions about everybody and everything. Well, you know, I, I look at her. She's a little goody two-shoes. I wonder what she thinks about that. Would Jesus do that? Why not just say, you know, I'm glad that the Lord has created you with that. You are blessing in the eyes of the Lord, and His nature and His fullness is upon you. Though at that moment, it, it may be, they appear arrogant and they're, they're off the mark, but you can raise them to the knowledge of God by praying for them. And they have a will involved. Should they choose not to go that way, the one who blesses is freed from any responsibility that's connected to them not doing it. Prophecy is, is released and fulfilled when we come into an agreement, homo legeo, which is, means that the word agreement, to say the same thing. When we're blessing, we're saying the same that, thing that Jesus shared. And he would say, it says, bless and curse not. Proverbs 26 says, a curse cannot come without a cause. I cannot be, you cannot be placed in a lower position than what God determined us to be unless I have been involved in cursing because the principle is, therefore, whatever we sow, whatever we declare comes back to us, we reap that as well. So when we're declaring over someone that you're a man and a woman of God and you're going to succeed in the goodness of God and the favor of God is going to be upon you, it is not lying when, when it appears that they're not that way. Otherwise, Jesus, when he would prophesy, even to the woman who was caught in adultery and saying, you know, I forgive you, don't go and sin anymore, instead of saying, you've got what you deserve. And look what you've made your bed, you've lied in it, and look what you get out of that. Instead of that, he is giving her a prophetic destiny. You don't have to continue to stay in that position any longer at that point. Now, he uses an interesting word in, in verse 9. And he says to them, For you've been called for this very purpose. You and I were called. I was called to be a blesser long before I was called to be a preacher. I was called to be a worshiper first and foremost. I was called to be one who blessed. And my personal feeling is I can't fully worship the Lord with, with my whole heart if, my, if part of my heart is invoked with, with cursing and, and just debilitating things that because I'm, I'm saying against the very creation of God itself. I can sing songs and I can have a joy to a level, but to be fully to where there's a divine connection between heaven and earth and worship, then I need to come into being a blesser. He said, so you've been called and for doing so, receive a blessing. He uses the word called there. We've been called for that. It is the word kaleo, K-A-L-E-O, which simply means just like these babies that we saw this morning, these parents decided to name these children something that was relative to what they believed, whether it's after a person they loved or a generational name or whatever it is, they kaleo or they called this baby a name. The same word is here. When Peter is saying this, for such a reason... You were called a blessor. That's the Father's name for you, that we express His image. According to Hebrews 1, that Jesus was the personification or the express image of the Father. When we bless, we are expressing, revealing His heart for where we are. How would it be to go through Walmart just blessing everybody you see? The environment would change. And seeing being thermostats that tell about, look at those prices. They saw those on sale. Look at this crowd. I don't know what to say about that. I, you know, I can't believe people act this way. And we, oh, we become these thermostats that just register the, the heresy, is that a word? Yeah. Or the, the, the harassment that goes on in those kind of environments. But when we begin to bless, the environment changes like the sun with the drug problem. And everything begins to become more invoked in the way that God intends for it to be at that moment. The first time I began to see this was I had a man coming in. I was just, I was just hearing the Lord speaking concerning this. And a guy was coming and walking across the parking lot. I'm not home a whole lot these days, but he was coming across the parking lot and he's dressed in a pair of uh, bib overalls. And, and my secretary said, I was heading into the sanctuary to pray. She said, go ahead, I'll take care of this. You can go in and pray. I took two steps inside the sanctuary, and the Holy Spirit said to me, go back out and talk to him. I have sent him here to see you. And I thought, if God's willing to interrupt prayer to talk to this guy, it must be something important. 
And he came in and he says, I want to sell you this land next to the church there. And we, we, we wanted that land. We needed the extra land for the retreat thing that we're wanting to do. But the Holy Spirit said to me, don't buy it. I have another plan. And I told him, I said, well, we're not going to go into debt. Hey, I'll make you a great deal. You no know, down payment. He went on this whole thing. And I said, I'm sorry, that's, that, I can't do that. And he kind of felt a little agitated. And he said, you know, I used to be a pastor once. And I said, well, well good for you. You know, I thought, yeah, they're a dime a dozen. What can I say? <laughs> you know, next to lawyers, we're the most, uh, you know, loved people. <laughs> I'm thankful for lawyers, so we're not the, the low end of it. And he says, yeah, I pastored. He said, it's a Baptist church. I pastored. And I, I'm, by the way, I need to tell you that I'm a millionaire. I could tell the guy's working really hard to impress me. And I said, well, good. Good for you, you know. And he said, I was pastoring this church for seven years. I started it, and I have this oil-filled business. And the, the, the deacons there in the church asked me to either give up my business I was doing on the side or leave the church. And he said, so I left the church. And those filthy, rotten scoundrels to this day has never apologized to me, and they're getting exactly what they deserve. Man, the atmosphere, I could just tell, you know, around where we were was just getting kind of angry. And he said, you know what, my, wife, my, my daughter, I haven't spoken to her in six months. And all she, she never calls me unless she's wanting money. And I just told her the other day, I'm not the money machine. Just, I, just get out of my life and leave me alone if that's all you see me. And I mean, this guy's just pouring this stuff out. And what's on top of that, there's a young man who I brought into my business. I brought him up because I believe in... Covenant's not 50-50, it's 100-100. And I gave him the, uh, uh, an equal partner share in my business and taught him everything he knows. And now he's been going around to businesses and is trying to start his own company off of my clients. I said, man, that's tough. He just said, you know what's worse than that? I said, I don't have a clue. <laughs> he said, my wife had an affair. And this was about a year. So that, that happened a year before that. And uh, I, I thought I wake up most mornings and I think about I could kill him and I have counted the cost and I would be willing to go to prison. This is a big guy. He's about 6'8 and weighs about two, probably 80, 280, 300 pounds. He had my attention. And he said I could just put my hands around him and just choke the life out of him. And by the way, I've been to Bible school and they've called me a prophet. We, we don't hang around the same people that we call prophets. I, how do we measure this up? And anyway, I was so agitated. I'll be honest. I was agitated with this guy. And I said, sir, you have exactly the wife you have blessed. And you have the wife you exactly you have cursed. You have created this home. And he said, nobody's ever talked to me like that. And I, I'm prophetically saying Nothing personal. And I said, you are. He said, I've been to Bible school and no one's ever, there's no such thing as curse. And I said, well, all I know, I told my secretary, I said, give him a couple of CDs and, you know, I don't know what else to tell you. I went on and pray like, you know, man, I don't know what that was about, God, but this guy, I want to get far away from him. He's, I just feel agitated being around him. 24 hours he calls me up and he said, preacher, I was on the way out to the oil field and I put one of those CDs there in. And I listened about this thing, and I didn't believe a word you said until he got into some scripture because he's a Bible scholar. And he said, I was reading about that, and I thought, I'll give it a try. So I just started blessing my daughter and doing that thing that you talk about blessing and how to bless. And, you know, I bless her. She's given me God. She's the creation of God, and I bless her and went on for that. He said, 24 hours later, my daughter called me. It was one, one, one whole night after that. She called me. I haven't talked to her in six months. She said, Daddy, and, her, and she, she had a quiet voice. And I thought, here it comes. I'm get some money. And she said, I had a dream last night. Remember, she had never been in a church like this where people worship the Lord without, you know, just singing first and third stanzas, you know, last and, and that's it, and sit down. She said, in my dream, I was standing before people and my hands were lifted. She didn't know what that meant. 
And I was leading the singing, she called it. And while I was leading the singing, this voice says to me, call your daddy, ask him to forgive you, and go home. He said, man, I couldn't believe it. And so he said, anyway, I just want to let you know. This guy called me almost every day for two weeks. Preacher, I went back and blessed that young man that I brought in as that partner. And I started praying over him. God, he was a, you brought him in as a son. I treat him like a son. He's not a slave. He's inside the house. And he started quoting all these scriptures. Over. He came to him with the next 24 hours and said to him, Ray, I need to tell you what I've been doing. He says, yeah, I know what you've been doing. He said, I am so sorry. You've done nothing but good in my life. I, was, I had no financial future until you came into my life. Thank you, and I need to ask you to forgive me. He came to that last thing. He said, but I can't ask this guy, you know, this, this guy that had the affair. I've asked my wife who it is, and she will not tell me. He says, I can't deal with that. And I said, well, I can't forgive him. I said, well, right, the Bible says then you can't be forgiven then. So what do you mean? I said, well, you know what the word says, scholar. If we will not forgive men, then we cannot be forgiven. Well, I've done my best. And I said, if you were standing at the foot of the cross and Jesus with his hands lifted, bleeding for you, and he looked down to you, and he said, so what did we say to you, Ray? You're the one putting me here. Look what you caused. He said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He said, I'll call you back later. 24 hours. I mean, I could just almost time it. He called me back and he said, I started trying to see this man through the eyes of the Lord. I said, that's what blessing is. And he said, all of a sudden I saw this man, how lonely and how wretched he must be to go and do this to another man's family and to break covenant like that. He said, the next thing is I was weeping I was praying over this man. I was blessing him. I was calling his future into place. He said, what's that about? And I said, you've caught the heart of the Father. And he said, then the Lord tells me to write a check and give this man an offering. Because the Lord says, where your heart is, there's your treasure. That God so loved that he gave his offering to prove how much he had forgiven us. The power of the offering. And he says, I went to my wife and said, I know you're not going to tell the man that, you know, tell me who it is, but here's a check. I want you to give it to him. And she goes, you're crazy. He said, no, I'm, I'm finally sane the first time in my life. He had a debt. Someone owed him $3 million for some work that he had done for two years. He had been cursing this other company, going around telling everybody in town, don't do business with them. They'll do nothing but steal and take from you, and they're, they're fraudulent and so on. When he started blessing, within two weeks of that, he gets a call from this company, $3 million, and said, Ray, I know we haven't been on good terms here and so on, but, you know, I'm sorry, but I finally got your money together. Come get a check. He said that cursing cost me $3 million. We got right down to it. Nothing good. Everything was on pause until I began to release and say over them the very heart, the way that the Lord wanted them to do it. I was in Houston a few weeks after that, and he calls me up, and he said, uh, Pastor, I, I need to talk to you. Bad. I don't know if that good or that bad, you know. I said, what's the deal, Ray? And he said, I've been up all night wrestling with God. And I said, give up on that when you're not going to win it. He said, well, Jacob wrestled with the angel. And I said, don't you realize one flick of that angel's finger and he would have been orbiting the earth from now on? Wrestling means contending. It doesn't mean fighting. He said, remember when I came into your office that day and I said, I have some land to sell? And I said, yeah, I remember. He said, God spoke to me in the middle of the night, woke me up out of a sound sleep and said, I've, you've been holding that land for that church until you could get your heart right with me. That land does not belong to you. He said, as quick as you can get here, I've already talked to my attorneys. The deed has already been signed and prepared. You need to go and sign it and get it out of my name quick. His whole life has been turned upside down because he began, caught hold of the revelation of what it means to worship, what it means to bless and be worshiper. <laughs> Let me give you one last verse in, in Galatians 3. I'm giving you the thumbnail this morning. 
Remember when, the, when the, the spies went into the land? One out of every tribe, representative of the nations. And they would go in and they came back and they reported to Joshua exactly the way it was. There's houses that we don't have to build, vineyards we don't have to plant, wells that we don't have to dig. It is a great place. But anytime you put the word but there, it means disannul everything I just said. Sometimes we say, I know God heals, but we just push the pause button. Be careful where you put that, but. They came back out of the land, and they said, reported that way. And yet, in Numbers, the 20th chapter, he says to them, they came back and they gave an evil report. Though it was a factual report. Could it be that a factual report in the eyes of God could be an evil report? Because it is not the report that God was looking for. It was not the report that was in agreement with the purposes of God that God had said to Abraham 430 years previous. If they had stuck on that report, they would have circled around again and again. Their lives again would be in cycling and circling. But there were two. It only takes one or two. The two that came back and said, yeah, all that those guys said, but... We can go in, we are well able to go in and take the land regardless of the sons of Anak. And they said to them, when we saw those giants, the sons of Anak there, we became like grasshoppers in our own eyes. As a man thinks in his heart, so they become and react just like they did there. So truth is the way God sees it. Fact is the way that it may appear on the surface. Now, in Galatians, the third chapter, and I want to look to this thing about if I'm not blessing and if I am cursing, putting something in a lower position than what God said is this potential, what kind of recourse, what kind of effect does it have on my life? In, in Galatians, the third chapter, <coughs> and he starts out in verse 1, you foolish Galatian, who has bewitched you, is the word actually translated python, and a python is, is a, that snake that doesn't bite with venom. It wraps itself around its prey and it starts squeezing. And every time the prey takes a breath and breathes in, the snake squeezes more. And he uses it the same context. That spirit of witchcraft will choke the very life out of you to where you feel like you can't even hardly breathe. In that context, look at, look at verse uh, 13. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. And I understand he's talking about the law, the old covenant, because it was a curse. It was a lower position. The law was something lower than what God really intended for them when the Israel came to Mount Sinai. He wanted a personal relationship with them, not having to go through a law or a priesthood. He wanted it to be personal, no surrogates. Christ redeemed them from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. Jesus became the curse for us. And he's quoting out of the Old Testament. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. One of the reasons that, that the, some of the Jews, most of the Jews could not receive Jesus as the Messiah was because anyone who's crucified like that is cursed. And secondly, they didn't believe he could come out. Anything good could come out of the tribe of Judah. They had their mindset how things had to be. And they were under a, an old system that was cursed. It held them in a lower position. And Jesus, being coming a curse for us, took the curse on his life. Look at verse 14. In order to break that curse, he's saying, in order that in Christ Jesus, the blessing, the eulogio, the barak of Abraham, everything that God said to Abraham could be converged or brought in into to the Gentiles, you and I, would might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. And he goes on to talk about the seed of Christ and the covenant there. If Jesus, which he did, died on the cross to take the curse, that which holds me in a lower position financially, physically, emotionally, every which way, relationally, in my marriage, in every which way, holds me down. It is like being in a cocoon. I can't break out of it. That's cursed. Because remember, he told Abraham, step outside the tent, look up, 
count the stars, if you can see it and wrap your brain about it, this is going to be like the seed that you're going to have. This is the blessing that's coming to your life. But in cursing, we're locked up inside. We can't see. Someone comes and says something good to us, and we say, yeah, right. You're looking good. To, yeah, right. I, that means I was, so, I was uglier yesterday than I was today. Because we're so used to cursing that when someone says something good to us, we don't even know how to do it. Or a wife says something to your husband, I love you. Good. Well, that means that calls for a reply. I love you too. Like one guy says, you know, I, I haven't stopped loving you, so I'd like to hear it. Well, I bought your refrigerator three years ago. Isn't that love enough? I showed you my love. Therefore, when it quits working, I'll say I love you and buy you another one. That means we have to practice and learn how to receive compliments, how to receive blessing as well as giving it. Since Jesus died on the cross and took away the curse, that cocoon thing, if you will, that means that if I am cursing, if I'm pa say if I'm cursing Pastor Allen, and I'm saying all manner of evil against him and about him that is in opposition to the will of God, then what happens is though Jesus loves him and he loves me, but because he died on the cross to represent us both on the curse, and, I, and curse can't come to me without a cause, and I've just made a cause because of pastoring him, then what happens is Jesus will come and stand between he and I. And he says, you can't go any farther. I've come to defend this man from everything that has tried to put him in a lower position. Therefore, you are on hold. doesn't mean I'm sending you to hell. It means that you can't grow and prosper in all that I have expected for you and intention for you because you are cursing what I said is good. When I saw that in the Scripture, and I thought how many years that I have held things back because I had an opinion about something that God said, that's not a good opinion. Or a people group. Or I don't like that song, Shake. That's not my favorite song. I wish he'd sing something I like. Well, God, when he created this man, he wired him in the way that he wired him and said, it's good. How many as parents, and this is not a great example, as parents, that we know the faults of our kids? And we don't mind discipline when we need to, but I just don't want anybody else to discipline my kids. And God sees the same way. Well, how about anybody that's not his kids? Is it okay to do that? Because they've been created in the image and the imagination of God. As you've done it to the least of these, you've done it to these. To the way that we begin to see things eye to eye, the way that God does, we can transform everything about our life. We can begin to believe God for prosperity because I'm not cursing people that have money. Now there's another message. I'm not, I, don't, I, can, I can receive prosperity if I'm not cursing other people that have money. Because whatever the harvest that I'm looking for, I have to sow that seed towards what I'm expecting. I can't sow wheat seed and, and believe for corn seed, for corn to come up. Because the Bible says that it, is, it will produce after its kind. It, cursing will produce something. It'll kill everything that our hand touches. Well, that's what I knew was going to happen. That's the way my daddy did it. That's the way his daddy did it. And that's just the way we are. The Bible says that he's given, granted to us his, his great and precious promises in his divine nature. So that means if I don't come into the divine nature of God, I don't get the great and precious promises. And what causes people to be disappointed, and disappointment, by the way, is this my definition, is preconceived ideas that never were God's anyway. Oh, God does not disappoint. He only appoints. I've appointed your time. I've appointed your harvest. I disappoint when I, I disconnect from the appointments of God. So what happens that when, when we're sowing and blessing towards that, that end, I have an expectancy to be able to see that. 
So what, when we, we talk about blessing, we're talking about a prophetic that comes out of our mouth, just not, you know, a meditation thing. But gather your children, gather your family around and lay hands upon them and declare over them the way that God would see them. This Bible is full of blessing. Read the Psalms. It's full of blessing. Because you were called to do such things. Prosperity is not a difficult thing. Deuteronomy says, I have given you the power to make wealth, not get it. Because when we bless, we are now in a creative process and mode, just like when God said, and he said the thing it was to be. When we say over one another, this is what you're to be, we're in the same making or creative process that he said in the beginning. Let it come this way. Let it be this way. We can repent and ask the Lord to forgive us simply because he has a good delete button. He pushes, Lord, forgive me in areas where I've, my opinion is not accounted for anything. You've not asked my opinion on anything. I ask you to forgive me that I've been involved in cursing my husband and wife, you know, saying things that we all do. And it creates an environment. If I had time to talk to you about that science had discovered that anything that has molecules absorbs sound. These walls, the walls in our home, absorb sound. Everything when we curse and say one to another, blah, 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 is absorbed into that. You go in the Old Testament, so the priest will go in the home, and if there's, if there's red streaks in there, that means there's leprosy there. Red and green streaks is a type of leprosy. There's a spiritual leprosy that means it is a curse coming out of our mouth, as leprosy was a curse in the Old Testament. Because when we declare his goodness on earth as it is in heaven and we're into agreement, he releases all that he said that would come. Now, one last thought. For some of us, and, and I grew up in Texas all my life. My, I grew up in Amarillo. I understand the Texas culture. There is a... I grew up as cowboys any of him. There is a... A saying that I grew up with says, you're never a man until your father says you are. How many of you ever heard that? Maybe it was just a North Texas thing. It was a Jewish rites of passage, and that bar mitzvah is simply that. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. When Jesus was there being baptized by John, the heavens opened, that voice came. That was a type of bar mitzvah. There's something about that that when we... No longer say, well, you know, this is, my, this is my nature. Old things pass away. Now we have a new father. My daddy was this way. My daddy had an opinion. My daddy cursed. He cussed. He did all that. He didn't anything good saying. That's just the, what I grew up in my house. I'm telling you, that can be a transformation because the Bible says we're being transformed out of an old nature into the divine nature, which has the precious promises of the Lord. So we don't have to stay in an old nature. We can come in the divinity, the divine nature, because old things are passed away. And here's the simple way how you would do it, is the power of life and death is in the tongue. It simply can turn from that moment, from that point on. Now, when he says to them, And actually, Paul is, is the one quoting in 1 Corinthians 10 at the Lord's table. There's five, there's five cups, four and sometimes at a Seder, Passover meal. When Jesus, the last Passover meal, Paul refers to it. He could have taken the first cup that was the cup of coming out of, of the bondage, and he ratified that, and he could have gone on down. Jesus reached and he took the third cup, that middle cup, and it was called the cup of redemption, most, of, most times, you know, the rabbis, they will call it, it was called the cup of blessing. Paul referred to it as the cup of blessing. The last experience that Jesus wanted to have with his disciples was, I want, I've been looking forward to drinking this with you, and this is the cup I want. It's not the cup of the old covenant. I come to fulfill that. But here is the cup of blessing, a barakah. Here is the cup to say over you, here's your destiny. And fulfillment. Remember the last thing that Jesus said. He led them out so far. This was after, right at the end. And he, on his way up, Jesus blessed them. The last thing Jesus did on this earth was to extend his hands over them and bless them.
have a guy in my church. I've got one minute I can share this testimony with you. Years ago, his name was Marcus. I was having a conversation just casually with Marcus, and he painted houses for a living. And he said, and I said to him rather, Marcus, what made you decide to be a house painter? I was just making conversation. He said, I can tell you easily how that happened. My dad was a pharmaceutical salesman, he said, and, and he traveled all the time, but I just hated it when he came home. Because when he came home, he just started jumping on my mother and my brother and I and telling us all of the bad things that we, that we were no good for this and we were lazy and we didn't do this while he was gone and so on. I just dreaded for the weekends to come. I tried to be absent as much as possible. But one day I was in the garage and I had built this birdhouse. He was a young man. He was probably 10, 12 years old. And he said, I built this birdhouse and I was painting it. And my father drove up and I thought, uh-oh, here it is. And he came up and he looked at me and he looked at the birdhouse and he looked back at me and he said, good paint job. The only time that my father ever said anything good so resonated inside my spirit. I knew at that moment when I grew up, I could paint houses. Because blessing is so powerful, it can set a course in a life. And that's exactly what the Jewish, Jewish blessing of the laying on of hands in Genesis 49 is all about. Let me just bless you this morning. You would just, just, can you just extend your hands here? And, and I just want to just bless you. You want to stand, that's fine. I don't know what your protocol, you can stand, set, whatever. I bless this house to fulfill all the purposes of God throughout this region. I bless the body of Christ throughout this county that this, this body would show forth the goodness and the glory of God. May you prosper and be in health even as your soul is extended into the kingdom of God. May your influence throughout this region show forth the loving kindness. And may your lines extend over in pleasant places. That your, your mind, your spirit understands the goodness of God. That you'll be blessed in all aspects of the Lord God. May your marriage be a covenant that shows forth the love and the mercy that, that Jesus has.